Good morning. Good to see everybody again here and online. Always a great pleasure to, to visit with y'all and catch up with you after church or shoot us an email uh, during the week. I just got a quick meditation on Jesus' words this morning in the Gospel of Luke because they are a little perplexing on the surface. Uh, but I think we dig in there. I think God's got a good word for all of us today. Uh, Jesus starts off by telling a story. He calls them parables. He says they have a lesson to be learned from them. Uh, a story about a vineyard. Now, right away, the people who were listening to him, they knew right away. See, the vineyard always represented Israel. All throughout the Old Testament, Psalms, prophecies, everything. You see vineyard, you think that's the people of God right there. He's talking about Israel. And so he starts off, he says, uh, Jesus tells them that there's this owner of a vineyard who was going off on a long journey. And so he you know, kind of leased out his land to some farmers uh, so they could farm it, take care of it, and still be producing while he's away. It comes time for him to, as the harvest, to collect a little bit of the crops, and so he sends one of his servants back to the vineyard uh, to collect his share. Well, these tenant farmers uh, aren't very cooperative. They, they actually beat up that servant and throw him out, send him home with, with nothing in hand. Well, the owner's kind of perplexed at this. He says, okay, I'll send another servant. So he sends another servant, collect his share of rent, and they do the same thing again. Beat him up, send him away empty-handed. Well, now the owner doesn't know what to do. He's really confused. And he thinks, well, maybe if I send my son, they'll respect my son, right? And so he sends his son to collect what is due him, rightfully due him, and the same thing and worse happens. They not only don't give him any crops, they beat him up, and then they kill him. The story ends, and Jesus turns to the people that he just told the story to, and he says, now what is that owner going to do to those farmers? Oh, man, right? It is on now. It is on. This owner is going to crush them. Well, it's easy to kind of figure out who's who in this parable. Uh, again, I already gave you the vineyard. That's Israel. Who do you think the owner of the vineyard is? The God. God owns everything. It's easy. And then there's servants that go and, and tell the truth and to, the, to the vineyard, uh, the farmers there on the vineyard. Who do you think those servants are? Those are prophets. Right? For hundreds of years, God sent prophets to his people, Israel, to tell them the truth, and more often than not, they would reject the God's truth. They didn't want anything to do with it. I want to live life my way. I don't want to hear anything about it. And so finally, God says, you know, I will send my son. Who do you think that is? Oh, that's a big, easy one, right? Come on, who's that? Jesus. There you go. Of course, his only son. They'll respect him. No, they, of course, they kill him. And here's Jesus prophetically telling this parable even about himself. And then there's the, uh, the farmers themselves, the tenant farmers. Now, any guess on who, who the farmers are in the parable, who they represent? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, or in today's terms, the pastors. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. This is really, really uh, tightening the screws on, on pastors, this whole parable. Uh, whose vineyard is it? God's. Whose uh, word and will should be followed? God's. Well, the, again, 
everybody listening that day knew the answers just like that. They, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. And they said, in response, surely not. No way. We, we're God's people. We would never reject any of his prophets. We certainly would not reject his own son. Oh, kill his son? Never. No way. It cannot be true. To which Jesus immediately replied by quoting Psalm 118, verse 22. He looked directly at these people denying it and said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And then he does some teaching. He does some commentary on Psalm 118. He says, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Wow. First, this is like everyone. Everyone is going to be broken to pieces or is going to be crushed by this stone, this rock, which we know prophetically was Jesus all along, the rock of our salvation. And so, really, everyone? He doesn't mean everyone, right? Because, I mean, I kind of get like unbelievers, even. Worse than that, people who just are just adamantly against God. They reject God, reject his word, his truth. They reject any kind of morals that he would place in our lives or on our society. Yeah, of course. Of course, God's going to crush them, right? But not us. We're believers. Well, this is where actually we would be wrong. See, the Greek word there for everyone is actually a very technical term, and what it literally means is everyone. Everyone. Every male and every female. Every senior citizen, every middle-aged person, every young adult, every teenager, every child, every infant. Everyone means everyone. Now, I do want you to notice kind of the future tense, though, right? Will be broken. Will get crushed by this stone. You see, we, we notice it today. There are people who reject God, and they're not broken. They're not crushed yet. There are people who selfishly, uh, again, make their own priorities in life or selfishly live to their own moral standards and selfishly uh, just do what they want for themselves. I don't care, God, about your rules, about your word, about your truth. But everyone, everyone will at some point encounter Christ. And one of two things is going to happen when that day comes. They're going to be broken into a million pieces or they're going to be crushed. That means like into a fine powder into oblivion, basically, is what he's saying. Everyone is going to encounter the truth of God at some point. Now, does this sound a little end times, kind of judgment day vibe? You feel that coming? Yeah, because it's true. At some point, and certainly by the end of your life or the end of this world, you will have that encounter with your maker. Now, 
let's get back to this broken and crushed thing. Now, is it really God's will that everyone be broken or crushed? Can that be true? It's a two-part question, really. Uh, God does not desire for everyone to be crushed. Actually, he doesn't desire for anyone to be crushed. God's desire is for all to come to faith and to the knowledge of the truth that is Jesus Christ, our rock and redeemer. That's God's will, of course. However, it is precisely God's will that we all fall on the rock and be broken into a million pieces. So many pieces that we cannot put ourselves back together again. Nobody else, no other thing can put us back together again. Nobody except, of course, Jesus. It's kind of like Humpty Dumpty. Kids know this? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. We sit on a perch of our pride and our arrogance until at some point in our lives we are encountered with Christ and the truth of God's word. And when we hit it, we shatter to pieces. It's, it's no different than going to boot camp. The drill instructor's job is to break down that lazy, individual, immature, young adult so that they can build them back up into a new person, a disciplined, a responsible, a team player. And this is exactly what God does with his word. We call it law and we call it gospel and it happens in that exact same order. When we encounter God's law, this perfect plan that he has for our lives, this perfect way we are to live, to treat other people and respect his creation, and it breaks us. It shatters us. It cracks us open so that our sin and darkness is exposed to the light of Christ's truth. And it can't be any other way because we are so stubborn. Normally I just blame myself, but come on. We are so good at making excuses for our sins, explaining away bad things that we've done or bad words that we said or even bad thoughts that we've had. Well, it's just a bad thought. That's not even really a sin, is it? I didn't hurt anybody else. And the truth when we confront Christ is that yes, uh, even if it's just a bad thought, we are also God's creation and God's child and he doesn't want anything to hurt us. And so yeah, it is a sin. It's a sin and we're just covered in it. Our thoughts, our words, our deeds. And we have to recognize that in order to be built back up. So whatever things that come into our lives that break us into pieces, that shatter us into a million shards, recognize that this is all a part of God's bigger plan to recreate us into a new person. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus came to do. Let Jesus put you back together anew. 
not again, a new, a new person, a new child of God. There's the, the psalm here again, it's Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Isaiah, another prophet, 700 years before Jesus was born, said that Jesus would be crushed for our iniquities, for our sins. He would take that ultimate punishment that we all deserve so that he can build us back up into new people, new children of God. This is the whole theme of repentance that you see peeking through this whole uh, devotion today that we talk about in this season of Lent. The reason that Jesus came, because uh, we and our brokenness and our selfishness are never gonna fulfill God's will here in this world. We're not gonna take care of the world the way he wants us to. We're not gonna serve and bless our neighbors. We're not gonna be responsible spouses and parents. Not ever gonna be perfect. That's what Jesus comes to give to us, a new life. Not just the forgiveness. When we're broken in pieces, we realize our need, we realize our desperation, we cry out and God has mercy on us. And more than that, again, he makes us new people, everyone. It is for everyone. And we as children of this baptism of promise that is given to everyone, every male and every female needs it. Every senior citizen, middle-aged person, young adult, teenager, child, and infant needs to confront Christ in the waters of baptism, where St. Paul says in Romans, where in baptism we are joined with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. We saw a little miracle this morning in Birdie where she got a little preview of that confrontation with Christ. Yes, the sinful part of us needs to be drowned. It needs to go away. And that maybe is sad and painful, but that's the reality. In order that, the new person will arise. Jesus, the light of the world, living in our hearts. This is a great gift that God gives to everyone. And if you or someone you know is not baptized yet, please talk to Pastor Jeremy, talk to me after church, and let's talk about getting this wonderful gift that God has for everyone to become a new person in Christ. And yeah, as a new people in Christ, we don't jump back up on the wall of sin and continue on with the things we used to do. But with the Holy Spirit that he gives to us, we're empowered to make better decisions to make better priorities in our lives and our families, make better decisions, more prayerful decisions about the things that we say, the deci- you know, things that we do, and even the things that we think. So God's mercy and grace be with each and every one of you as we get ready to celebrate Easter in just a couple of weeks where we see the grand victory that he's won for all of us. Amen? Amen.